Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Fire Pit. It is I, Brian, the host of the Fire Pit, coming back to you again here for another hot episode of the Fire Pit. Today, we're going to be talking about the wait that is finally over, the long night, the winter has come, the everything finally, finally, finally. Game of Thrones is back. Episode 1. It got released. It was amazing. I loved it. I loved everything about it. I am going to do this is a full breakdown episode of Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 1. If you have not yet watched it, please turn this off right away. Go watch the show. You don't want me wasting anything for you. It is a show, uh, an episode you do need to watch. You get right in the feels of it. It was absolutely amazing, and I love everything about it. So usual jazz if you guys want to hit me up you can follow me on twitter it's twitter.com slash brian sets fire brian with a y or you can chat with me on my twitch account i'm usually on every night it's twitch.tv slash sets s-e-t-s-f-i-r-e if you want to talk more on a direct basis you can comment me there or talk to me there any other way you want to do it going forward here is the breakdown of the show first and foremost one of the things that they changed that I noticed immediately was the intro. The uh, the intro of the show often changes every season depending on what's relevant for that season, whether they introduce a new character or a new family or a new area. They usually add it in or something else happens. So this one starts off at the very beginning with the wall being broken down. So we do know for sure that that's what's going on. Um, and it, it's cool because it, it still trails off to all the other areas like Winterfell and... Uh, the Iron Islands and King's Landing and Bravos, but instead of just like hovering over top of it and showing you the areas themselves, it kind of goes into each little one and shows them more of like every household or stronghold going through some kind of battle preparations, getting things ready for the war to come. I really kind of like that. Um, you got to take a little more closer look to it because there's some more more details there that I wasn't really catching on. Uh, right before the end of the intro, when all those little rings go by and you see all the pictures of the different uh, houses on there, there was one picture that particularly struck me as a little odd. It was like this this creature laying on the ground, and there's like a person next to it, and there's a person on the other side of it holding a head towards them. I think it was a head, kind of like warding them back or something. I don't know what that's all about. I want to take a closer look at that. I'm going to try and do some information on it, and we'll go from there. But that is how the intro changed just a little bit. So right off the hop, uh, the uh, the episode starts off with uh, Don, uh, John and Danny and their unsullied army. It's funny because it, the very first season, the very first episode, it's Arya hearing the troops marching. She runs through the village and she climbs a tree and she sees King Robert Baratheon and Cersei Lannister and the Hound come running in and all the army. That's basically how they did this again, except it was some random little boy. He's running through the towns. He sees everybody. And Arya's in the crowd this time, and she sees John for the first time. But uh, the, the one thing that they really wanted to emphasize on, and what John said last season, is that the whole North needs to see John and Danny riding next to each other. They need to be united. They need to go back together as one, because the North is pissed off that he gave up his crown, and he's no longer a king. They never hid from that. They never hide that, which is good. They, it's not like this big reveal. They knew it right away, and everybody's pissed off at it. But Arya finally, si- finally sees John for the first time in forever and that's the first time she's seen him since she got needle and he left for the wall in season one so he hasn't acknowledged her yet though he just he's riding along she sees him she smiles but then she sees the hound who in her mind she thought was dead because after the fight with Brienne 
hound fell down the mountain. She went down there to see him. She robbed him, and he said, you know, hurry up. You know where the heart is, and you want her to kill her. And she said, no. They're like, fuck you. Die. I mean, you can you can do this on your own. So she left him to kind of perish on his own, which he didn't. I don't know if the books could be much different from that because we haven't found the hound after the fight of Brienne in the books, but we'll we'll find that out once the new ones come out. Um, and then she sees Gendry and she gets excited because her and Gendry were buddies for a while, and uh, that uh, that that's kind of like a little friendship that they can rekindle for however long much time they got left there. Um, and you can see clearly on the face of the people there that they they do not like Daenerys. They are not fans of her. Uh, and John even mentions to her, you know, like I told you that the North don't like strangers. I don't like un- unwanted visitors. They don't like any- anything new. You know, they're very happy and keen with what they got. Uh, and then her dragons fly in and, and shut everybody up. Like all these looks they were giving them, the dragons come in and then like she's got this little smirk on her face and then everybody just gets terrified. So yeah, she kind of made her statement. I really like that. I thought that was a cool little touch. Um, then they finally get to the wall and they had like a little procession of, of people there waiting for him. And, um, uh, they finally meet everybody. So John goes up and he sees Bran for the first time. Last time John saw Bran, he was paralyzed in a, a castle and that was the last time he saw him. So to his mind or to his knowledge, at least from everything else, Bran has been dead this whole time. So he finally sees him. And it was a cool little heartfelt felt little moment when he gets off the horse and sees him. He runs to him, gives him a big kiss on the forehead and a hug. He looks at him he's like, you're a man now. And he's like, ah, almost a man. So that's obviously hinted on the fact that he cannot walk. But uh, uh, he introduces Danny and Sansa and immediately Sansa does not like Daenerys. And you can tell the the tension and the animosity between the two of them right there. And it scares me because I feel a lot like Sansa is turning out a lot to be like Cersei. She wants all the power. She's willing to do whatever she can to get that power. She likes being in control. And she doesn't like anybody who's prettier than her. Somebody who's prettier than her gets her really upset and angry and she feels threatened. That's what I, the feeling I'm getting of Sansa and Daenerys' little relationship they got going on here. Um, so then they have like their, their little town hall meeting and they see everybody and they talk about what's going on and everybody starts picking on John for losing his crown. The little Jorah, or uh, the house Mormon girl, the, she's the badass girl. Um, she starts calling John out for what he is and who he is and how he gave up his crown. She's like, we made you king of the north. Now you came back. What? What are you? Uh, and he's trying to plead with them saying, listen, guys, I did what I had to do to get an army. I fought. I chose the north. I either keep my crown and I don't come back with an army or I lose the crown and I come back with an army. Which one would you guys want? I chose the North. I chose you. I did what I had to do to protect you. And people are still giving them all grief for it. And Tyrion actually goes to bat for him. And I appreciate that. Tyrion comes out. I know he's just trying to do crowd control, but he comes out and he basically says to these guys, like, listen, if any of us do make it out of this fight, if we do beat the Night King in some way, you have Jon Snow to thank for that. If it wasn't for him doing what he did, risking his life to find the walker, to bring it to Cersei, to have that big meeting, to have everything going together, none of this would have happened. So you all owe Jon Snow your lives. They didn't like that, but they accepted it. As far as you can tell, it seems like they're, for now at least, they're like, all right, cool, we, we got this. We'll, we'll, we'll take it from there. Um... 
And uh, so after that, like the scene goes on and uh, Sansa, she's kind of like up in the in the rafters a little bit and out in the yard. And she's talking to Sir, uh, I think his name is Sir Royce. He's kind of like the leader of the eerie people now, I guess, or the, at least the army. And uh, they kind of got some cahoots going on there. I don't like what's going on there. I don't like what Sansa's doing. I think she's she's plotting some shit that I'm not going to be a fan of. But uh, she, she's talking to him a little bit. And then Tyrion finally comes up and he meets her. Now, the last time Tyrion and Sansa saw each other was at the Purple Wedding when Joffrey got uh, poisoned and killed. So uh, as far as they like, they know, well, as far as Sansa knows or whatever, like, they're still married because they had just gotten married. And they were together. Then the wedding happened. And then she took off with the night. Oh, I forget his name. He tried to save her. But she ended up getting taken away by uh, Littlefinger. And, and the the knight got killed for it. But um, that's the last time they saw each other. So they had like a little talk. A little meeting. And and he's uh, he's trying to convince her that everything is, is in the right place. And Danny's the right person. You got to be, you know, give her time, be, be nice to her and she'll be nice to you. You know, I know you don't like her, but you go from there. Now here's a, here's a creepy thing. Once they're done, their little talking thing, because Tyrion tells her that the Lannister army is coming North to fight with them. She immediately rejects that. She does not like that. She's like, Oh, seriously told you that they're coming and you believed her. I thought you used to be the smartest man in the world, blah, blah, blah. So they got this little back and forth going on with each other. And then they walk away, and then all you notice is in the courtyard is Bran. Bran has not moved from that spot that he, they first sat in. He sat in the very front there, and he's not moved. And he's sitting there, and he's just looking up at Sansa the entire time after everything's done. It was very creepy, very weird. Now, the theory, as some people have, is that since Bran himself can actually go into and warg into other animals and observe and hear things like he does when he spies on the Night King, he goes into crows. And then he makes a crow's fly around where he's got to go. He sees what he needs to see. Then he, he just goes back to his body. Now, if you look at that scene carefully, right behind Sansa, there's some crows. They're like the ravens that they use to deliver messages. And one just pacing back and forth and back and forth. Now, if you pay attention to the books, there was a crow in the book where Gior Mormont, the old uh, uh, Black Watch leader, he had a crow that would often mimic words that he would hear around the castle or phrases and sayings and some things that people wouldn't really understand because it didn't really make sense. A lot of people are theorizing that that was Bran in that crow the whole time, kind of trying to whisper things to Jorah to tell him to do this and then tell him to do that, all for preparations for this war to come. So that's that's a fun theory that maybe that Bran's still kind of spying on everybody. I don't think Bran trusts Sansa. And I think he's trying to keep a good tabs on her, make sure she doesn't do anything stupid. So I, I don't know. I'm, I got to keep keep your eye out for that and keep uh, keep your nose to the ground and see what's going on. Um, and then after that, you finally get the meeting of Arya and John, and uh, that was a really cool one. John's in the in the weirwood where he's talking to the tree or looking at his, his old god's tree, and uh, Sansa snuck up behind him and nobody sneaks up on John. She says something to him and it gets him to turn his attention to her, and he's like, "You snuck up on me. How'd you do that?" And uh, uh, he's like, how are you able to do that? And she goes, how are you able to survive a, uh, a blade through the heart? And he looks at her and he goes, I didn't. I think it's all quiet for a second. Then they smile and they run, they jump and they hug each other. And uh, he notices that he, she has needles still. And he asked her if she ever used it. And she kind of gave like this sad little look. And she says, maybe once or twice. Then he pulls out Longclaw and immediately she knows it's Valerian Steel. She's like, oh, it's Valerian Steel. He goes, are you jealous? And uh, then they kind of get this little talking about, like, you know, Sansa. I mean, he's like, 
He's like, you need you need to get her to trust me. And she doesn't trust me. She thinks she knows everything. And Arya actually goes to bat for her, which is weird because Arya and Sansa never really got along. Arya and Sansa always fight each other because one wants to be the girly girl. One wants to be the warrior girl. But Arya was like, no, Sansa's the smartest woman I've ever met. She knows what she's doing. So we got to protect our family. And John says, I'm family too. And she gives him a hug and she whispers to him, raise her hugging. Never forget that wonder what that means. I wonder what they're leading into for that. That That's kind of, I don't know, it's going to be a little a, a little catalyst for something later on, I do believe. So keep that in the back of your brain. Uh, then we get we get to Cersei. Cersei's in King's Landing now, uh, like usual. And she finally gets her golden army. Now, the, the golden army, they're like an army of mutes, basically. And uh, the commander himself, the, the way the golden army works is it doesn't matter what side you're fighting on or who you're fighting or what you have to fight if they agree to a contract with you and you pay them in full they will complete the contract no matter what they will do whatever they have to do that there's no that is their bond that is their they're bonded to that contract no matter what now here's the thing i'm thinking of though the golden army is there so they're waiting to get their payment they got all their stuff they need to get the money that they were going to use to pay the bank for the golden army i believe was all the gold that Daenerys burned when she ran to the Lannister army on the, on the road so i don't know if they're gonna be able to pay for the golden army anymore if they can't maybe the golden army will go to whoever has the next highest amount of money could be Daenerys could be john maybe they got some money up there to help fight the walkers right the white walkers you never know so keep that going you know they're gonna play a pivotal part in this story i do believe before the end is over um and then you see uh you see braun now braun's one of my favorite characters he's been around for quite some time he's not the greatest or like a big character in the book but he's he's definitely being played a little bit better in the show uh so he's at a whorehouse he's getting his thing on and then quiburn the hand of the king the crazy little scientist mad science guy that turned the the mountain into uh uh into a zombie he kind of interrupts his little thing and he talks to him he's like the the queen's got a uh uh, a quest for you she's got a mission for you and he's like all right well you know she she rectified me before by giving me a king and or giving me lands and gold and then she took it right away so he doesn't want to do anything for her then he tries to place the blame on jamie that was jamie who did that not him so what it is is he's he says the queen's got some enemies out there and we don't think that her brothers are going to survive the war at the wall or at, at Winterfell, but should any of them do? And then a guard comes in with Joffrey's crossbow, the one that Tyrion used to kill his father Tywin. He hands it to Bronn and he says, you need to basically, basically says you need to kill Tyrion and Jaime. He says, I was the hand of the king. I was kicked, or he's like, I was, I was kicked out of the citadel for my practices. And she gave me a chance and she ended up turning me into the hand of the queen. He's like, imagine what she would do to the man that avenges her or the man who brings her her treasonous brothers to justice so they're trying to use him to kill jamie and Tyrion. i do not think that's going to happen at all i don't see that because Bronn, as much as he likes money and gold and all that stuff i think he likes Tyrion a little bit more he doesn't like the family i know that much he'd much rather kill seriously before any of them but I don't know. So that that's the thing that's going on. I think the reason why San, or Cersei is doing all this is because in the books and even the show, she talks to like this little foreseer, this little kind of tarot card reader girl. And she said to her, you'll have three kids, all of which will die. And you will get killed by the hand of your family. Now, I don't know if they meant exactly. I, don't, I can't remember if she said family or brother or sibling or whatever it was. But she's going to die by the hand of somebody that's related to her. So as far as she knows, the only people who are still related to her is Tyrion and Jamie. 
So she wants to make sure they die so she can prove the prophecy wrong. So I have a feeling that uh, this is a hunch I have that one of those two, Tyrion or Jamie, may actually die at Winterfell during the, the big war. And then uh, uh, Arya is going to take their face and then go down to King's Landing and then kill Cersei as one of them. Probably Tyrion because of the size difference will make sense. But uh, that'd be really cool if they did something like that. Um, what else we got here? Uh, at King's Landing, you see um, when the uh, when the Golden Army comes uh, with Euron Greyjoy, he's got Yara in the boat. He captured her from the last season. She gets saved by Theon, finally. He actually becomes a man, really, and, and helps her out. He breaks her out, breaks her free. They steal the most of the Iron Fleet that they can, and they start heading back towards the Iron Isles. And she's telling them, she's like, I got to go to the Iron Isles. And he says, well, we got to fight in the north. She goes, if the Walkers win, Daenerys, this is what Yara said too. Yara immediately is on Daenerys' side. She says, if, if, the, if the dead win, she will need somewhere to go. So she's going to fortify the Iron Islands just in case they lose Winterfell and they need somewhere to fall back on. She said somewhere specifically, like somewhere where the dead can't get us because they can't go in the water, right? They're done. If they go in that water in the ocean, there's no way they'll make it out of there. So that's her thing. But then her and Theon kind of get this little thing and then he he wants to go to the wall or to, I always call it the wall, the Winterfell. He wants to go to Winterfell and try and fight with the Starks. So she lets him go. Then this is the thing that struck me as a little odd. They did their old saying. Now, somebody can correct me if you can at me online or whatever. I, I can't remember. They, they, she said their old saying, what is dead shall never be dead, blah, blah, blah. That's their, their house Greyjoy thing. And um, she gave him a little handshake and a hug and brought him in. And she said they killed the bastards anyways. I don't know what that meant. I don't know if that's a saying along with her family line. They killed the bastards anyways. I don't know if she's trying to hint at him to do something. Kind of like, hey, do this for us or or whatever. Or if that's just part of their saying, I can't remember. So I need to go take a better look at that and see what that says. But that that's that part. Afterwards, you see um, Davos, Tyrion, and Varys. And they're kind of talking about how or what they can do to unite the North. Davos kind of leads the charge. He says, listen, I've been here a while. I understand that the North is very stubborn, tough people. They don't like change. They don't like difference. They don't like things being different from what they're used to. So when Daenerys and her dragons came by, they're very upfront about it. They love their king of the north. They love Jon Snow. They love the Stark family. And they need something to bring them together. And then Tyrion goes, well, what do you propose? And Davos says exactly that. I propose a proposal. And then they look over and they see Danny and Jon talking to each other. And they're like, well, they would make a handsome couple, right? So they know that if they got married, it would unify everybody together might make the northern people a little bit more susceptible to to Daenerys because it's not just the fact that he's bending to a queen it's he will eventually become royalty again because she's the queen in their eyes right so that's the way they see it once John and Daenerys are talking the 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 Dothraki ride up to her and they tell her the dragons aren't eating something's wrong they're being disturbed by something I think it's maybe they don't like the north or maybe they're they're mourning their their dead brother so Daenerys goes up and, and she she jumps on a uh, Drogon and then Regal, the other Targaryen dragon, uh, kind of like nudges Jon Snow a little bit, insinuating to him, hey, you know, jump on, bud, let's go for a ride. And he gets all flabbergasted. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm not, I don't know how to ride a dragon. She goes, nobody does. And he's like, well, what if I fall off? And she's like, well, I've enjoyed your company then, Jon Snow. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. It's kind of cute. So he actually jumps on the dragon and Regal takes off and Jon... Stark rides a goddamn dragon. He rode a dragon. 
people. Do you understand how important that is for the story? Everybody knows he's Aegon Targaryen. Everybody knows that. He's not a Stark. He's a Targaryen. Now he's a Targaryen riding a goddamn dragon. That's insanely crazy. And he does it in front of everybody. The dragon flies through drives. (laughs) Ha! The dragon flies through Winterfell upside down, basically, so everybody can see Jon Snow on top of a dragon flying around in front of everybody. That's that's huge, huge for the North people to see that. They need to see that Jon is not just who he thinks he is or who they think he is. There's obviously something a little more there if they can see him riding a dragon. Um, I thought that was amazing. It was great. Uh, what was it say? And... Uh, so, so let me get down to the pit, and and Gendry is making a uh, 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 an axe for the Hound, and Gendry now what Gendry's doing is he's basically making everything he can out of the dragon glass that they took from Dragonstone. So he's down there and he's he's making this little axe for the Hound, and and the Hound's you know complimenting on his work, and then Arya pops up, and she says something about leaving him alone because the Hound is picking on Gendry. And he he calls her. He's like, "Oh, you're still alive. I heard you were here." Blah blah blah. He's like, "You're a, it's like you're you're a shitty little bitch, aren't you?" He's like, "Yeah, I guess that's why you're still alive." Then he leaves. So they they kind of have their falling out. I still think she's gonna try to kill him because his his name was on her list, right? She she does her list and she gets through everybody she can. But then she goes to Gendry and they start shooting the shit about you know their past and joking around. But she gives him this weird design, and I need somebody to help me with this, please. You can at me on on Twitter. Or comment on anything you can. What in the hell was on that design that she gave? She gave Gendry this weird design. This picture on the parchment. She goes, I, this is my my request to you. And it looked like it was like two ends of a staff. Like one looks like a fireball kind of thing. Maybe like a, like a dragon glass spear. And the other one looks like a handle with like a nub on the end of it. I don't know what it is. I don't think it can be attached to any of her weapons she currently has. I don't know if she's trying to use it for something else. Maybe it's something that's going to do with Bran, or I don't know. It's really weird, and it's confusing the crap out of me, but she wants it made, and he's going to make it. And he said, why would you need something like that? You've already got a sword. And what's that? And he points at the little, uh, uh, the, the the dragon's tooth, the dragon's claw, or cat's claw, claw's claw, the, the Valerian steel sword. So whatever it is, it's a weapon. And I don't know, but Gendry's going to make it. But uh, he's going to make it, and, that, and that's it. So... So now you get Sansa. Sansa and and John are kind of like having a little confrontation there, and she starts calling out John for bending the knee. She's like, because some of the bannermen are no longer calling to their aid, right? They're calling all the bannermen to come home or come to Winterfell to fight for him, and they're like, no, we'll stay where we are. Good luck with you. And she calls him out. She's like, listen, dude, the reason why these people aren't going is because they bowed to the King of the North. You're no longer King of the North. You're King of whatever. And John tries tries talking to her. He's like, listen. I did what I had to do, girl. You need to calm down. This is why I did it. This is who we did it for. This is all this. He's like, you need to give her a chance. And uh, it seems like like Sansa's kind of starting to come around. He's kind of like, okay, you know, I understand. You know, I get it and blah, blah, blah. Then she calls him out real good. She, she looks at him like square in the face. And he's like, do you trust me? She goes, you know, I do. He's like, we cannot win this fight without her. And she calls him out. She's like, did you bend the knee for the north or did you bend the knee because you love her and it's like oh got you bro got you so obviously he did it for both he did it because he loves her and he did it because he needed the the army to bring to the north now after that you see Daenerys and she meets Samwell Tarly 
Now, for those of you who, who don't pay attention that much, or may have just forgotten, she had executed Samuel Tarly's father and brother after she defeated the Lannister army in the road. They were the ones that she brought up and she asked him to bend the knee in the legions. He said, I already have a queen. And then his son came up next to him. He was like, no, 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 don't do it, don't do it. And she ends up burning both of them alive. Yeah, that was Sam's father and Sam's brother. He didn't know that they're dead. So he was asking Daenerys for a pardon when she becomes a queen. And uh, it was a pardon for stealing a sword from his house. And she finally figured out who he was. And the thing I like about it, at least they didn't hide it. It wasn't this massive surprise later on. She told him right out, I executed your father and your brother stood next to him. I'm sorry, but it was war and that's the way it is. Now, the thing that gets me all butthurt about this is Sam got all pissy and moaning and crying and whining and he left and he ran out and stormed up. Sam hates his family. His family hates Sam. He's often said several times in the books, I don't care if my father dies. My brother is just as rude to me growing up. He liked his brother, but he didn't really care too much for his brother. So the fact that he got all butthurt over it, that really kind of irks me in the wrong way. I don't like the, that they did that, but they have to make some kind of confrontation for the show. I get it, but I don't like it. I want to see that hate that they have there. And then Sam got, and, and, his, and Sam's little fit of running around and being upset and pissy over everything, he ends up running into Bran out in the yard again in the middle of the night, sitting in the same goddamn spot that he was before. And he looks at me, he's like, what are you doing out here? And he looks at him with this weird little smile, and he just goes, I'm waiting for an old friend. Who in the goddamn hell could Bran Stark be waiting for as an old friend? Maybe Mira from the north, the girl who brought him all the way over there. Jojen's dead. But the only friends he has is that. Or maybe he's waiting for uh, a White Walker version of Hodor. Because I'm telling you right now, Hodor will be back. And he will be a White Walker. Because he held the door. He's going to die. And they'll get turned into a White Walker. The only thing makes sense. Why would they not do that? So fans, be be fair for that. You will see Hodor. I don't, I'm not, not confirmed. That just me throw my guarantee on it. That you will probably see a zombie Hodor coming in. Um, but he says he's waiting for an old friend. So I don't know seems kind of weird but you know we'll figure that out uh and then he he convinces sam he says listen sam you have to tell john who he really is now now is the time no matter what he's like we're the only ones who know you have to tell him who he really is he needs to understand so then it clips into um uh torment uh remember torment torment giant spain and beric dondorian they're at the wall when the night king broke it down so this is a creepy thing that people were worried about because these have been all over game of thrones for a lot of the seasons is they get to the wall and torment and 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 beric they're kind of walking through trying to find survivors and they run into the rest of the night's watch and they say have you found anything yet and he's like yes let's come with me so they go down this long hallway and earlier when sansa was talking with all the north people she used um lord umber who was a child at the time because all the umbers are dead uh, to go back to his his family and bring all the soldiers that they can with extra wagons and horses that she provided for him. Now you get to the Night's Watch at the wall, and the kid's there, and he's dead. And he's pinned to the wall, and there's all these legs of people in a big spiral all around this weird sacrificial kind of like design of human legs and blood and all this stuff. And then when Torment turns his back to the kid, he starts saying stuff. The kid's eyes open up. He's a, he's a white walker and he tries to attack him. They burn him, all this stuff. Those little symbols, those little weird kind of alien fixtures and stuff like that have been hidden, hidden around Game of Thrones for all the seasons. 
it has something to do with like the garden of life or the uh the where like all the the night king began in the very beginning it's something very important to do with all those the trees and everything else like that so that's going to play a big factor going into the show near the end of its whole thing and it's some kind of hidden message they're trying to send there but i'm not sure exactly what it is but we'll, we'll figure it out and then it clips down to the very important scene, the, my one of my favorite scenes. John and and Sam are like, so John's in the crypt of Winterfell, and he's talking to his father's grave, basically. He's sitting there, lighting a candle, making it all nice and sweet. Then he hears Sam. So he starts talking to Sam, and this first time they met in a long time, too, so he's all excited to see him. And then Sam calls him out. He's like, Daenerys executed my father and my brother. Would you have done it? And he's like, I'm not a king. He's like, no, but you were. And he's like, we need to end this war. People are dying that don't need to die because of this war. And he goes to walk away. And then Sam's like, no, you are the king. He's like, no, I gave up my crown. He's like, no, you are the king, the king of the whole seven kingdoms, not king of the north. He's like, what do you mean? And he, 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 they look at each other. There's an intense moment. And he goes, me and Bran did the math. I've got the maester's journal. He does what he does. It was your mother, your real mother is Lyanna Stark. And then John's just like, he's he's floored. He's baffled. He's like, what do you mean? He goes, your father, your real father, is Rhaegar Targaryen. They were married. You were never a bastard. You've always been Aegon Targaryen, the sixth of his name. And he then John gets all offended. He's like, you're telling me my father, the most honorable man I've ever met in my entire life, lied to me my whole life. And then he called him out. Sam's like, listen, dude, he had, he's like, your, your father promised your your mother his sister he would do whatever he had to do to protect you always you if robert had known that you were targaryen he would have murdered you when you were a baby he lied to everybody to keep you safe and keep you alive the honorable ned stark whose whole family most of his family his father and his brother were murdered by the mad king targaryen himself burned alive in front of a whole pit of people he did whatever he had to do to keep another targaryen a successor to the crone to the crown alive because he promised his sister that he would now that is dedication by a man that is dedication by john or by ned stark that is the honorable ned stark he even though he may not have liked it he learned to love him as a son he learned to love him as a person and everything that's the big end all take all of everything john now knows who he is he is aegon targaryen king of the andals lord of the seven kingdoms blah 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 all that fun stuff and then sam calls him out and, and john's like well i gave up my crown daenerys is a queen he says well she shouldn't be and he's like i gave up my crown to protect the people and he goes ah you did would she give up her crown though to protect the people too now that's a good one that's a good one right there I don't think Daenerys will. Daenerys will not give up that crown so easily just because the dude she's currently banging is the actual heir of the throne. She's going to kill him, people. I've been calling that since day one. And they're finding out who he is. He's going to get a big crown. And once it's all said and done, she's going to stab you in the neck and kill him again. And she'll be the queen. Just like seriously. Evil queen. Now, come to the very climatic end of it. You see it's kind of in the daytime of the next day now. 
and there's people walking around. They're filing the Winterfell. Everything's looking good. People are having a grand old time. And you see some cloaked dude wearing like a hood and he's on a horse and he comes riding in. You don't see his face. Slowly trots on in. Everything's all good. Then he gets into the yard and he dismounts his horse. And somebody takes the reins of the horse and they, they ride it all up and it's all good to go. Then he takes off his hood and he turns around and, it's, and it, it's, it is the Kingslayer himself, Jamie Lannister. We saw at the end of the last season, he was riding towards Winterfell. He he told Cersei he was going to leave. He fights for the sides of the living. He doesn't want to do what she's planning on doing because he knows that she's planning on betraying everybody. And he wants to go to the north and help the fight. And he made it. He finally made it. And he's looking around everywhere. He's looking at all the people. And he stops dead cold in his tracks. And he looks right beside him. And there's Bran sitting in his chair in the same exact spot. They lock eyes. They look at each other. Jamie realizes who it was. His face drops. His jaw drops. He goes, oh my. Like He knows in his heart like he's in shit now. That's the kid he threw out of the window for getting caught banging his own sister. That was crazy. Then it pans over to, to, to Bran. And he's just sitting there with this little smirk on his face. This little smile. And then it's going to go all the, the camera zooms up to him. And then boom, it's over. I think, though, this is my prediction. This is a prediction I'm having right now. I think Bran is going to stand up for Jamie. He knows that they need Jamie at the wall because he's a fighter. He's a good fighter. And I still believe that Jamie is going to turn into Azor Ahai, which is the guy who ends up killing the Night King. And um, he has to do it by killing the love of his life, who I think is Bran, again, at the wall. And Bran knows that, but he can't say anything because if he tells him, Hey, this is the guy who pushed me out of the the wall the the thing because of this. Then they'll execute him right there immediately. I think Bran is going to once they have a meeting because Jamie's got a meeting with Sansa and John and Daenerys and say, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry." Blah blah blah. Bran will probably say, "No, listen, he has to do this. This is why he did it. This is why he did that." And he'll vouch for him just to keep him at the wall. I had a fun little theory, uh, and uh, I don't know if you guys want to take it this way or not. How cool would it be? Now, this is just my thought. This is just a cool little little thought that kind of crept into my head right now. Everyone's talking about how Bran is the Night King. Like the oh, by the way, that's the end of the episode. After Bran meets Jamie and the jaw drops, that's it. We're done. We're over. The episode is all done. I'm gonna give it a solid nine out of ten for a rating. I think it's leading up to a lot of really cool uh ends of storylines and story arcs that's gonna happen in this season. And uh, I'm very excited for what the next episode is going to be. Now, going to the theory I have. Here's a fun little theory I was just thinking of the other day. Just going to drop this little nugget here for you guys if you want to pay attention to it, if you want to kind of read into it, or just theorize that it might actually happen. Cersei's planning on betraying everybody. She has the Golden Army, which is a 20,000 strong army. Almost is as big, or if not bigger, than the Unsullied Army. Now, the Unsullied Army is about to get beaten the fuck up by the white walkers now imagine this just imagine this just imagine this imagine this this is the thought i had what if bran really was becoming the night king he's not the night king yet because he realized he doesn't understand that he can warg into the night king even though he's basically been the night king the whole time what if maybe once the war comes to the end and they're about to lose or about to fight bran does like one last stitch to try and warg himself into the night king and then he does, then he becomes the Night King, then he stops the fight. He stops all the White Walkers from fighting. And then the Walkers and the Unsullied together as one group go down south and fight 
Cersei and her golden army. How crazy would that be? The walkers, the ultimate bad guys that you're afraid of, they end up teaming up with the North people after Bran does what he needs to do to save everybody. He fully and permanently becomes the Night King and he loses his bike. That's what he said. Remember, he said, John saw him. He says, You're a man now. And he goes, No, almost. The Night King is a man, just a frozen one. What if that's his plan the whole time to get the Night King close enough so he can touch him, maybe, and then become part of him by touching him in that kind of aspect? Then he'll gain control of the army. He'll stop the fight, and then him and the other ones together will all get together and go south and attack the true enemy, which is Cersei Lannister and her golden army. Crazy to think of that. That's a theory I thought of. I don't know why I thought it was something. Something tweaked the, the one time I was looking at something, and I just thought it was a great theory. That's my idea. Go from there. Guys, it's been a slice. That was episode number one. Next week, I'll drop another episode for number two. Quick breakdown of what it was, what I thought was going on, and we're going on for the next episode, okay? Thank you very much for listening. I appreciate everybody who comes out and and listens to my podcast. I'm going to be doing as many of these as I possibly can. Again, you can check me out on Twitter. It's www.twitter.com slash B-R-Y-A-N-S-E-T-S-F-I-R-E. Or if you want to talk to me directly live, hit me up on Twitch, twitch.tv slash S-E-T-S-F-I-R-E-S. That sets fires. Come on out and we'll talk to you guys then, all right? I really appreciate this. I'm having a great time with this. And I want to see you guys later on, all right? Have a good day.